0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. Today we are going to be continuing our set review of all of the cards from Rise of the Floodborne and covering all of the Amethyst cards today. So before we get started, I am going to pass it over to Dalton so he can go through our process for how we grade these cards.
1: Okay, so we have five grades. The first one is an S grade. These are just the best of the best cards. You couldn't imagine running less than four of these if you are in that specific color. So a really good example of this would be Rapunzel Gifted with Healing in Amber from the first chapter. The next grade we have is A. It is one of the best cards in this color, a super high power level. You'll play it in most decks few archetypes might not want four of them, depending on the strategy. So Stitch, Rockstar, they could also be the best cards that cause you to build around it, such as maybe Maurice. Maurice was a super powerful card, it just you know, it just didn't work out really, but very strong card. Next we have bees. These are solid role players. Will probably be a four of in a lot of decks just due to ink ability and ink cost, but not necessarily super high power level. So Stitch new dog is a good example of that, Archimedes, the goons, if you will. They're also higher power level cards that are pretty good role players but they're either not inkable or they're expensive, so it's hard to play a lot of copies. A good example of this would be Ursula. Next, we have Cs. These are cards that will take a very specific deck to make playable, but could still have some niche applications. For example, Dingle Hopper. And then D, those are mostly unplayable cards, such as Healing Glow.
0: All right. So now let's jump right in. We are going to go alphabetical by characters first and then end with our items, actions, and songs. So the first one up we have is Arthur, Wizard's Apprentice. It is an uninkable three-drop, a 1-3, quests for one, and has the ability student. Whenever this character quests, you may return another chosen character of yours to your hand to gain two lore. I gave him a B, C... I give him a C because he's uninkable, but I do like the idea of getting two extra lore to bounce back, something that might not have survived if you were to have just used them to quest that turn anyway, like a 1-1 one, one or a 1-2. So that's kind of where I let him fall.
1: I gave this one an A. I think he is extremely powerful. Like, for example, if you play the two-cost Pinocchio that we'll talk about that quest for a three, and then Arthur, 3 you can quest with three with Pinocchio, return him to your hand, and then you already have six lore because you quest with Arthur and return the Pinocchio to your hand. And that also lets you play your Pinocchio unexerted so it can't get challenged the next turn. So you also have another three lore ready from just the same exact card. I think that is really strong, but also being able to return maleficents that draw you cards or any of the Merlins with enter the battlefields abilities, that could be a really strong application as well.
0: Yeah, I was a little harsh by saying BC. I'll at least take the C away and give him a B.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be a pretty big role player.
0: For sure.
1: Next we have Blue Fairy, Rewarding Good Deeds. It is an inkable two cost character that is a 1-1 with evasive. She quests for one and has ethereal glow. Whenever you play a floodborn character, you may draw a card. I think I gave this one a C. It just, the body, the effect it has on the game doesn't seem to really get there for me and in order for you to really feel like you're coming ahead I think you need to probably play two floodborne characters with this and there aren't that many times where you'll play a character on turn one this on turn two and then a floodborne character on turn three so I just don't think you're going to have a strong curve like that very often.
0: Yeah I also gave her a C. I just don't see myself playing her on turn two for her ability, when I can just play Pascal, who's also an evasive, when other characters are on the board, a 1-1, and he's a 1-drop. I know that they made her a 2-drop because of her ability, but I don't think the ability is consistent enough for me to play her in my 2-drop slot over maybe another 2-drop character, when she's essentially just a Pascal with an ability that you may or may not use.
1: Yeah, it's kind of win more in the sense that if you play three Floodborne characters during, while, while this Blue Fairy's out, then you're probably already winning anyway, and you didn't need the extra cards because the Floodborne characters are just so strong.
0: Yeah. All right. Next, Chip the Teacup, Gentle Soul. It is a one-drop inkable, a 2-2, quests for one, just vanilla. I gave him a B. He's nothing fancy. It's just really another Archimedes flounder goons of, you know, Amethyst, so
1: yep the more we have the uh less impactful they are uh and yeah just another one of the same towards that we already have a bunch of
0: Mm -hmm. and i figure at that point it's really just a matter of personal preference preference and yeah yeah, like someone might like chip out of nostalgia over archimedes that's Mm -hmm. in the same color with the same stats so
1: exactly the next one we have is dr facilier savvy opportunist is a four cost inkable character is a four two with evasive that a quest for one i think i gave this one a c it's at least inkable it has a reasonable strength the biggest issue is that it just has two willpower it's going to just get banished by fire the cannons teeth and ambitions which is a card from this set and let the sword Ray John, which is a card from the set, the latter two.
0: And grab your swords. And grab your sword. That's what I have in my yeah. notes. Yeah. yeah.
1: All of those deal two damage to a character and they do it really efficiently. So just if this quest for two, then I could maybe see it, but yeah, I just don't I just don't like this one very much.
0: Yeah, I gave him a C as well. I just for the same reasons that you just gave. I think there are too many damage inflicting cards that this would just immediately die to so he's just a little too squishy for me to be a four drop
1: exactly exactly the next one we have is elsa gloves off it is an inkable four cost character that is a three four quest for one has challenger three Ooh, mm-hmm. big elsa she's ready to fight
0: ready to fight i gave her an a i think she's pretty good she can get rid of maui So I think that's a good answer because as someone who played Emerald Amethyst, I felt like neither color had any good challengers or answers to the bigger characters like Maui. Yes, I know Maui has Rush, but I mean, if he comes in and challenges something else and then becomes exerted for your turn, then you can use her to get rid of him. So I just think it's a good answer to some of the bigger bodies that Amethyst used to not really have an answer for.
1: Yeah, this is, I gave this one a B. It is very similar to the Jafar that we had in set one. Um, that was a 2-5 with Challenger 3. I think it's going to be kind of like a metagame call. Like if there's a lot of five toughness characters, then I think Jafar might be better. If you really need that sixth strength, then Elsa will be better. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of a toss up.
0: For sure. All right, next we have the first of a couple Fairy Godmothers. We have Fairy Godmother here to help. An Inkable 5-drop, a 3-7, quests for two is just vanilla. What did you give her?
1: I gave her a B. I can definitely see getting a couple quests out of this because she got a big booty. Mm-hmm. She got a big booty. I think in Amber we talked about a 1-9 mm-hmm. and I even... Eudora. Yeah, Eudora. And I even mentioned that if that thing was like a 3 7 or a 2 8, then it might actually be playable because as a 1 9, you just don't really deal damage back. You don't trade with anything, but a 3 7 can brawl definitely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm kind of into this one. I mean, there's a. I don't know if you'll see a lot of play just because I think there's a lot of really strong 5 cost characters, but if you're a little more aggressive, then. This, uh, this can definitely get in for four or, four or maybe six.
0: For sure. I gave her a B as well. It's kind of funny. I think we're, we're like really in sync today because my notes for this card is pretty in line with what you said. I also have down that I think she's better than Adora because I do remember you saying that during our other review. So like you said, she just can do more damage when being challenged. So that's pretty funny that we both kind of recalled that card from before.
1: Alright, next we have Fairy Godmother, Mystic Armor. It is a 5 cost inkable character that has a 3-4 quest for 2 with shift 2. Whenever this character quests, your characters gain challenger plus 3 and when this character is banished in a challenge, return this card to your hand this turn. So, that last little bit of text seems like a pretty strong ability. I gave this one... I think I gave it a B initially, but I think I'm going to bump it up to an A. What'd you give it?
0: So this was one where I was on the fence. I gave her an A-B range, but I think she's an A because obviously her ability is extremely powerful, but I think I gave her more of a B because she shifts for two, but there currently isn't a cheap fairy godmother for her to be able to shift. So I think once we get a cheaper fairy godmother where you can actually use that shift too, she'll jump to a solid A, if not an S in my eyes, I still think that she would be worth playing right now, even without something to shift onto. Even if you take away that and you just look at her as just a straight five, I still think she's strong enough to be considered an A. Yeah. So maybe I was a little harsh to do the B. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: No, you're fine. You're fine. I interrupted you. So... I think when I first saw this, and it's kind of interesting how they're doing shift because in the first set, all the shift characters were just like five or six, four, five, or six cost characters for Mm -hmm. the most part that were shifting two or three above what the original character costs. So, shift rock star, uh, you shift that for four onto a one drop, so it costs three more, and you got a substantial. Bigger body, and you always quested for more, whereas that's not necessarily the case in this set. For example, if you shift Fairy Godmother onto Fairy Godmother here to help, you're actually losing quite a bit of willpower. So I just don't see you shifting this card very often. You're probably not going to play it with other Fairy Godmothers.
0: Yeah, like even if you, sorry, even if you do the other one that we haven't talked about yet. They have the same stat line and she only quests for one.
1: Yeah, so I can maybe see with that one just because you have a little bit of surprise factor and at least you're shifting on turn four, whereas if you have Fairy Godmother here to help, then you have to wait till turn six to do that and you might as well just play this one on turn five. Uh, But with that being said, I think this card could just be a standalone powerhouse. Mm -hmm. Its ability to let all your characters trade up, and then return to your hand seems really strong, so I'm kind of into this one. Yeah, for sure. And the next one, Fairy Godmother, Pure Heart. It is an inkable 3-4. That costs three. A quest for one has the ability, just leave it to me. Whenever you play a character named Cinderella, you may exert chosen character. Dana, tell me what you think about this.
0: I gave her a BC... I think her, I'm doing a lot of ranges, sorry. I feel like that's such a cop-out when we do these, but I'm so indecisive. I think her ability is too niche to really matter. Although you do have ballroom sensation, which is pretty good right now. So if you play Amber Amethyst, that might be worth putting in your deck. But since it's another color, you'd obviously be restricted to that certain deck combo color.
1: We also I... have Cinderella Stouthearted as well, the the Steel one, the Shift Steel character. Oh my character. gosh, so, I
0: forgot.
1: So yeah, that I mean, <laughs> the funny thing about that is that she doesn't actually need an exerted character in order to challenge, but you know, it's it's, it's still something.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Although I actually could see this application because even though Stouthearted doesn't need, like, she could challenge a non-exerted character. <laughs> Obviously, if you play her, then you can challenge an unexerted character and then use Fairy Godmother to exert another character that you can use another one of yours to do. So you could basically yeah. force challenge on two instead of one. So I get it. Okay. I can I can kind of start to see the value. I still think because whichever color you go to get a Cinderella, it's still not this color. So you still would only be limited to basically two other colors. So... I think because of that restriction, but I don't think it's bad. So it's just
1: a C or a B at best. I think. Yeah. B at
0: best. Nothing. It's
1: it's upside is pretty minor. So yeah, it's just a B.
0: Yeah, for sure. All
1: right. Next one. We have Hey, Hey, Dana.
0: Persistent presence. I (laughs) love
1: the art on this one. He's just so derpy.
0: I love it. An inkable two drop. A 2-1, quests for one, and has, he's back. When this character is banished in a challenge, return this card to your hand. Dalton. This is
1: actually really flavorful. You just think "Hey, hey, is gone so many times in the movie, and it's just like, oh, he's there again. He's popping <laughs> up, <laughs> He's popping know? back up.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, just yeah, for sure. All right, what do you got him at?
1: I gave this one a B. I think it could be like a B plus, teetering on the A range, I don't think you're going to give it that high of a grade.
0: No, I did. Did you? I did. did. you?
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, tell me why you did. I'll tell you why I did.
0: So, as a B, I can see him being underestimated because he doesn't seem like he's a threat being just a 2-1, but his constant presence on the board will be super annoying until you can use either, like, grab your swords or something that isn't considered a challenge to actually get rid of him. But, yeah, I think he's going to be tiny but mighty like he's just gonna he's just gonna keep coming back like a he's gonna be hard to kill like a cockroach you know
1: (laughs) yeah I played some games with the amber amethyst aggro deck and this was actually surprisingly one of the better cards in the deck because you can get out to a a lot of lore really fast and then you just have this persistent threat that you know he, he just keeps coming back and he comes back and not only that, he lets you make trades into other characters with bodyguard like uh, Simba. And then he just comes back again. And he just lets you pick away at some of your opponent's characters. If you need an ink later in the game, you could challenge with it. Then he just be- comes back to your hand you can ink it. It's it's really annoying. It's not going to be one of the best cards in the set by any means, but I think it will definitely be a role player. Mm-hmm. All right, next we have Jiminy Cricket, Pinocchio's Conscience. It is a two-cost, thinkable character. It is a one-two that quest for one with evasive, and it has that still, small voice. When you play this character, if you have a character named Pinocchio in play, you may draw a card. I gave this one a C as well. It is very similar to the Blue Fairy to me. Mm -hmm. Just conditional upside on a two-cost, one- Too evasive character just doesn't seem that great, especially because it only quests for one. There's one Pinocchio in the set that I do like. So if you're playing a bunch of them, then you have that upside and it might be worth it. But I kind of just need to to see it be consistent in order for it to be worth it.
0: Mm -hmm. I also gave him a C. I think he theoretically is a better Blue Fairy because obviously Blue Fairy is a 1-1 and he's a 1-2. But I... Still don't think his ability is widely applicable because obviously you need to also be playing Pinocchio. But even though it's better than the Blue Fairy, theoretically you'd think that you should bump it up to B because it's better. But like I said, for Blue Fairy, there are just better two drops. I mean, we just talked about Hey Hey, that's a better two drop to play over Jiminy, in my opinion. So.
1: Yeah, if you have maybe eight Pinocchios in your deck, which I think there are like 12 in this set, but you probably need to have like eight of them in your deck to consider this. And I don't know if they can really support that.
0: Mm -hmm. And another two drop that I think would be even better than this would be our next card, which is Cusco, Wasted Llama. An inkable two drop, a one-two, quests for one, but has the ability, okay, where am I? When this character is banished, you may draw a card. I graded him at about a BC. I think anytime that you can draw cards, that is obviously really good. However, because you have to wait for him to be banished first, that could probably be a little slow. But again, I just think it's better than Jiminy. And so, yeah, I could I could see a BC.
1: Yeah, I gave it a C. This is kind of what... If this question for two... it would be so much better than Flynn Rider, the two cost in Emerald. That said, only quests for one, so it's not as aggressive. They can just ignore it for a while, but you can also use it to trade into their thing to get your card back when you need it. It draws you the card when it gets banished from Grab Your Swords or Be Prepared, so it's a nice little two drop. The, the format might be a little too powerful for it. I could definitely see that, but... It always is going to replace itself, and it's just going to be kind of like a little thorn in your opponent's side. Mm-hmm. So next, we have our first of several Madame Mims. It is Madame Mim Fox. It is a three-cost thinkable, four-three that quests for one. It has rush and the ability of chasing the rabbit. When you play this character, banish her or return another chosen character of yours to your hand. I gave this one an A. I think she is incredibly strong. She'll probably replace Rafiki in Mm -hmm. most Amethyst decks. The body's better. She's inkable. She lets you play more cheap characters just because you're then able to turn those into ink later when you bounce it to your hand. It has the same synergies with Pinocchio that I talked about earlier where you can quest with Pinocchio. Play the fox and then play your Pinocchio ready again, so you can get that extra three lore. There's a lot of powerful things going on with this one.
0: I might have underestimated her. I know that you and I had a conversation about Madame Mim's cards the other night. I think me personally, I don't necessarily like the whole when you play, banish or return. Like, I don't like that swapping just because I don't think I'll necessarily want to kind of have to think about, like, a strategy like that. But with that being said, just because I don't think I'll particularly play these cards, I did try to grade them for just, like, face value. I still think I might have undergraded her, though. I gave her a B. I agree with you. I I do have in my notes, like, comparable to Rafiki, but better. Overall, it seems solid because you could always, like you said, use it to bring back maybe your one drop character and then just use it for ink the next turn anyway, or this turn. But yeah, I I think I just have a hard time being forced to make that decision. Like I would like for it to be an option, but because it isn't, that's why I just, I don't know, like I have a hard time like buying into it. I see how it could be good, but I, me personally, I can't buy into it. But At least a B.
1: We'll just have to get the cards in your hand for you to find out. I guess so. All right. So next, Madam Mim, we have the Purple Dragon. Dana, tell us about the Purple Dragon. The
0: Purple Dragon. So she is an inkable seven drop, a five seven quest for four, has evasive, and then also the ability I win, I win. When you play this character, banish her or return another two chosen characters of yours to your hand. I graded her at an A. I think she is a bigger and cheaper BLT. Her ability might be annoying to handle if you don't want to lose your board presence having to bounce back two characters. But I still think she would be worth it to do it. So that's why I gave her an A.
1: I gave her a D, however. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So I think... You know, you don't like returning one character to your hand. Mm-hmm. Imagine returning two characters to your hand for a seven cost character only for your opponent to immediately play a Hades or a Let It Go, Dragonfire, or Dragon, now that, Dragon Maleficent.
0: Yeah, or now that, that new card that, which I doubt a lot of people will play because there aren't very many dragons, but there is now an item that banishes the dragons.
1: dragons. Yeah, there are are a lot of ways that this can just go terribly wrong for you. A common saying in Magic is dies to removal, and people really don't like that saying. But when you are as tempo negative as Madame Mim is, it's really hard for me to buy into this one. I... Yeah, you you just fall so far behind on board if they ever have an answer to it. Mm -hmm. And... Bravel Taylor didn't end up being, like, the staple that we might have thought it was at the beginning of the format anyway. So, like, it was a good card, good finisher, but it's not like it was a four of in every ruby deck, like, people might have thought. So, I just can't see playing this one. It's so slow, it sets you too far back, and there's too much good removal in other colors for For her to end up really being good, which is a shame because she looks awesome. Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, next we have Madame Mim, Rival of Merlin. An inkable 5 drop, a 2-5, quests for 2, can shift for 3, and then has Gruesome and Grim exert to play a character with a cost of 4 or less for free. They gain Rush. At the end of the turn, banish them. What did you give this, Dalton?
1: This is one I kind of struggled with. I'm going to give it a B, Because there is like an infinite damage combo in the format with her, the Red LeFou, and Big Dr. Facilier. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of clear your opponent, all of your opponent's exerted creatures with it. So that's interesting. But I just don't think that beyond that we have very many four-cost characters that are powerful enough to do this with. There's one of the Merlins that's pretty strong because you're going to draw some cards, but there's nothing else that I can think of off the top of my head that really lets you get any sort of, of value from her ability. Yeah, you can challenge something, but like the body has to be good, you need it to replace itself, kind of, I don't know. So, there might be something here, and she might end up being really good later, but I... I'm just going to give her a B for now.
0: I gave her an A, so I don't know. Maybe I did overestimate just because I didn't really try to go through the catalog to see what four costs and less characters could be that would be worth get gaining Rush. But I think anytime you can play characters for free, even if there's a limit on them, that's just solid. And then plus you're giving them Rush as well. I don't know. I, I think she's I think she's pretty good. Yeah. I can see...
1: They do banish at the end of the turn, though, no matter what.
0: I know. I still think it's good. Yeah,
1: it could be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it could be, but it's not.
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I haven't played with them enough, you know?
0: Yeah. All right, moving on.
1: Madam Mim, snake, two-cost inkable, 3-3, three, three, quest for one. And has the ability, just you wait when you play this character, banish her, or return another chosen character of yours to your hand. I gave this one an A also. It's just such a good body for so cheap and it's going to be really solid playing something like Maleficent, buying her time, questing with it, playing this, return it to your hand just so you can have another two lore character to quest with later or it gives you another ink uh, if you have an Archimedes in play. So if you build your deck in a way to make this drawback not really a drawback, it's going to be a very solid character.
0: I gave her a B. I agree that she's a good body, and she probably would, if you're wanting to play Madame Mim, rival of Merlin, it would be what you would probably play to shift her on to. Mm. But, yeah, I just, I mean, I didn't think it was anything special, so I just did a B. Yeah,
1: so next we have Merlin Crab, the first of several Merlins. It is a three-cost inkable character that has a 3-3. He quests for one, and he has Ready or Not. When you play this character and when he leaves play, chosen character gains challenger plus three this turn this is a b to me i could there will have to be i'm i'm sure that this could definitely play out better than a b just because it lets your cheap characters trade up so favorably but yeah i don't know i haven't haven't really played with it enough i haven't had those on board situations come up enough but i could definitely see having a really powerful effect
0: Mhm. I gave him a B as well. I think it would be nice to even use this in combination with any of the rush characters in Amethyst as well, just adding that extra three challenger with Rush. I mean, I know you're probably not going to until you get later in the game if you unless you could play both, but I'm thinking like at least when he leaves play, that'd be pretty good, like when he leaves or you know, like you play a rush character and then when he leaves play then you're making that rush character get plus three challenger like I think that's pretty good
1: yeah I think your amethyst emerald deck would have killed for this card instead of like Jafar or something yeah honestly just having a really good way to make sure that your Olaf's or your Cheshire cats could actually do something defensively and trade with your opponent's characters Mm -hmm. they they would have really loved this card yeah such a better version of Meg to be honest yeah
0: yeah Yeah, absolutely. And that's really that's the only reason why I added Jafar and Meg is because I felt like I just needed a challenging answer. So you're right. All right. Next, we have Merlin Goat, an inkable four drop of four, three quests for one and has here I come when you play this character and when he leaves play gain one lore. I gave him a B. I think that anytime you can get free lore, it's pretty good. And especially because you're getting lore twice when he is played and when he leaves. Obviously, the latter is slower, but you get that immediate reward when you first play him. So I gave him a B.
1: Yeah, I gave him an A. I think this will change how maybe some control decks have to play because There will be sometimes you just play, you're at like 16 lore, you play this Merlin, and then you play one of the Madam Mims, return to your hand, you're at 18, and then next turn you play this. And if, I mean, they have to basically win on your turn because if they ever banish it, you get that lore anyway. It always is going to get two or three lore no matter what, unless your opponent has like a Hades or something, but. Using Hades on your Merlin is probably a favorable trade for you, and its body is pretty good as well. It's mm-hmm. just a way better Emerald Hans, in my opinion. Like, it has a better body. It's always going to get that lore, and you don't even need to quest in order to get that lore. And you can challenge and get a substantial portion of that lore as well. So, yeah, I really like this one. Mm-hmm. Next we have Merlin Rabbit it is a four-cost uninkable there's a 2-3 that quests for one as hippity hop when you play this character. And when he leaves play, you may draw a card.
0: I gave him a C because if you compare him directly to the goat that we just talked about, they are both four drops. The goat is inkable, rabbit is not. And the rabbit has a worse stat line, a uh, 2-3 versus a 4-3. And I feel like the goat, you're gaining one lord. This, you're drawing a card you know, when it enters plus when it leaves, it seems like a very comparable reward in both so I just I don't know, I just think Rabbit is worse than goat. I know that they're different in their abilities, but I would essentially do you want a card draw, do you want an extra lore? You know, like "Eh, that's kind of the same in my head. So I just don't think I think the stat like because the stat line is worse and he's uninkable, I just gave him a C.
1: I gave this one an A also. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Drawing a card on turn four is probably worth one or two lore at least. And then when he leaves play, that's also worth an extra couple lore. Drawing cards is really powerful and this gets you multiple cards. This is probably the one of the characters that you would actually want to use the Gruesome and Grim ability on the Shift Madam Mim. Because you'll get both cards this turn you'll be able to challenge something and you'll be able to do that for a no ink investment in that scenario. So I think this is going to be a really strong card against control decks as well. Just helping you keep up in the card advantage game while also just putting a body on board. His one downside is that he's not inkable, but he'll just draw you into more ink because he draws multiple cards. I think he's good.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I just was thinking like, at least with the goat, you're gaining lore, and then you can also just use the goat to just sing friends on the other side and get your two cards that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't need friends on the other side because Merlin is friend er, is friends on the other side. I guess. <laughs> I mean, you can use Merlin to sing friends on the other side too. I, th- I, I think you want to play both of them. I think they're both really good. I give them both A's. They're just, they're good for different reasons, but also kind of good for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Next we have Merlin shapeshifter. Is it inkable four cost character that has a one five quest for one and has battle of wits whenever one of your other characters is returned to your hand from play this character gains plus one lore this turn i think i gave this one a a c he might even be a d i don't know like you have to return multiple characters to your hand in a turn in order to really good get a good payoff from this Mm -hmm. he just seems way worse than goat merlin to me as far as a character that gains lore goes so i don't know if i'll ever play this one
0: yeah i gave him a c but i honestly think i should have given him a d i just think his it's just too niche like you would have to play a bounce deck in order to even make this card good so it's just too niche for me yep all right Next, we have Merlin Squirrel, an inkable two drop, a two one, quests for one and has look before you leap. When you play this character and when he leaves play, look at the top card of your deck, put it on either the top or the bottom of your deck. I gave him a B. I think anytime you can have any sort of card selection is beneficial. So yeah,
1: I gave this one a C. It is a better Yisma from the first set, mm-hmm. but Yisma was not very good to begin with.
0: Yeah, she did not see a lot no, of play.
1: I, I would probably rather just play Hey Hey instead of this, so I gave it a C because I'm probably not going to put this in my deck over Hey Hey.
0: Yeah, makes sense. All right, next we have Peter Pan's Shadow, an uninkable four drop, two, three, quests for two, has evasive, and has rush. And has Tiptoe. Your other characters with Rush also gain Evasive. What did you give it,
1: Dolan? I, when I first saw this card, I was like, man, this card is insanely good. Mm-hmm. And then I compared it to Jetsum in the first set, mm-hmm. which is an inkable 3-3. Yeah, only quest for one, but, and it doesn't have Rush. But challenging with a 2-3 character just... It's just not, I mean, it's a 2 3. That's why he didn't like Merlin Rabbit for, because it's just so small, right? Mm-hmm. So I think its body is just not very strong. I don't know how often the tiptoe ability is going to come up. And I think just having the inkable Jetsum would probably be better in most decks.
0: I was a little kinder. I gave it a B. I think the uninkability prevented me from giving him an A, but. I think Amethyst still has a couple of good Rush characters. I mean, you have Rikki, now you have the Fox. That would make this worth considering to have in your deck. So, B for me.
1: Alright, next we have Pinocchio, Star Attraction, our first of three. Pinocchio is an uninkable two-cost character that quests for three. He's a 1-1, and that's it. That's it. His special ability is that he's a two-cost character that quests for three.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to give him an A. I did not like it when I first saw it. There were, you know, Lilo making a wish and Maleficent buying her time. Those cards didn't see a lot of play in the first set. They did, but they kind of phased out yeah. towards the end. Yeah. This one does quest for three. If I would have known how many, like, strong bounce characters that were going to be in the set, then I would have probably initially graded it much higher when I first saw it because like getting three lore isn't always worth a card now it is a two cost card so that kind of makes up for it but once you return it to your hand and then replay it and you get six lore for one card that becomes just an insane amount of value for one card. Mm-hmm. especially on a two-cost card, that's really hard to race. So I'm going to give it an A.
0: I gave him a B. I think, like you said, it's comparable to Lilo, although it's a two-drop, but it costs for the one more. So it's kind of that trade-off there. And I know that this is the first of the Pinocchios we're getting ready to talk about, but I think it might be the only Pinocchio that's going to get played, to be honest. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, I I give it a B. Fair all right, next we have Pinocchio on the run. An uninkable five drop, three, three, quests for two, can shift for three, and has, listen to your conscience. When you play this character, you may return chosen character or item with cost of three or less to player's hand. I give this one a C. I just don't see it getting a lot of play. The bouncing might be worth considering if that's your play style, but I don't think his ability... Is worth it for his cost and lack of ink ability. What about you?
1: So to me this reads like genie on the job a little bit. It's not as powerful because it doesn't have evasive and you can't bounce anything, but the ability to shift on to a cheaper Pinocchio can provide a really big tempo swing. Let's say they play Lilo making a wish into Simba on your turn... Th- that was their turn two. On your turn three, you shift this Pinocchio onto yours. You bounce their Simba, challenge their Lilo. You're really far ahead. So I think some of those lines can make it see some playability. But if it was a little bit stronger, if it had some more willpower, I think it might be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it also quested for three then I definitely think we would be talking it's just really hard to talk me into shifting this onto Pinocchio star attraction and losing that lore mm-hmm. but this definitely can have some swinginess when it when you're just playing it on turn three for sure
0: yeah definitely
1: next one we have Pinocchio talkative puppet is it an uninkable two-cost character that has a 1-1 has telling lies When you play this character, you may exert chosen opposing character. I think I gave this one a D.
0: I gave it a C. So we're right there in the fact that we think it's kind of lower level.
1: Yeah, it is just so narrow. It's not inkable. Its body's bad. It doesn't quest for anything. And its ability is only good sometimes. And it's definitely not good on turn two when you want most of your two-drop characters to be good. Mm -hmm. So um, I am not going to put this in my deck, probably.
0: Yep. I just think it's, like you said, it's too narrow. So I don't see it getting a lot of play at all. All right. Next, we have one of my favorite card art. Actually, I think it's my favorite card art. Winnie the Pooh, Honey Wizard. So good. So good. Inkable five-drop, five-five, quests for two. Just vanilla
1: just and vanilla. that breaks
0: my little heart i think this card is way too cool to be a vanilla but oh yeah. it it hurts um nonetheless i gave it a b i think it's a pretty good sized body and quests for two so personally if i do play amethyst maybe it's just because i'm i just really love this card that i would just find a way to play it but i would play it
1: <laughs> yeah it's like when you first saw the art you're like that Winnie the Pooh could be the best card in the set. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is some epic art for Winnie the Pooh. You would kind of expect it to be a Floodborn, and then...
0: Which, I don't understand how it's not a Floodborn.
1: <laughs> I don't know either. Instead, it's just this it. vanilla five-cost character. Wah, um, wah, wah. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily better than the Fairy Godmother that's a 3-7. It just kind of depends on preference maybe, but it's it's a b c in that range
0: yeah all
1: right next we have yzma scary beyond all reason it is an inkable six cost card she is a four four that quest for two with shift four and has cruel irony when you play this character shuffle another chosen character into their player's deck that player draws two cards what do you think of this one
0: I gave her a BC. I think the card draw isn't bad, but there might not be a lot of times where you want to use that ability. So, I don't know. I could be wrong, but BC.
1: I gave this one an A. I think that there will be a lot of times where you get rid of your opponent's best character and that will be worth the two cards that they draw maybe just because maybe it's a... Rockstar, right? Mm-hmm. So you shuffle the Rockstar back in their deck. They were going to draw two cards on their turn anyway because they play a bunch of cheap characters or they're going to sing a whole new world. So the card draw doesn't matter as much, but they got rid of you got rid of their best character in exchange. There will also be times when you just have a chip in play and you use this, shuffle the chip back in your deck, and you draw two cards because your chip was not doing anything, right? Right. So this has some flexibility. It's a decent sized body. It uh I think it definitely has some powerful applications.
0: You know what? I'll go up to a B.
1: Ooh, I talked you into it. I'll
0: take away the the B C and I'll just make her a B.
1: I talked you into it. Yeah, nice. for sure.
0: <laughs> okay, next we have Yisma without beauty sleep. I I hate this court art. Not that it's it's bad art, but I just she's
1: just so ugly. She's hideous <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, inkable three drop three four quests for one it's vanilla i gave it a b i think it's just another wardrobe but i would play this over wardrobe for the shift ability for scary beyond reasons so i think there's a little bit more incentive incentive yeah
1: that's the only reason why you're gonna play this yzma is if you have a shift Yizma in your deck and that's something that you're trying to do actively
0: mm-hmm, for sure
1: All right, next we have Gruesome and Grim, which is an interesting card. It is an uninkable three-cost song, and it has play a character with cost four or less for free. They gain rush. At the end of the turn, banish them. So it essentially is Madame Mim, but in song version. Dana, what do you think of this one?
0: I give this one an A. I think even though it's uninkable, the fact that it's a song and you get to play quite a few characters for free and they gain rush is pretty good. So you're essentially able to play this for free if you sing it and then also have free characters. So I give it an A.
1: Yeah, this, just like the Madame Mim, entirely depends on what good four cost characters are in your deck. I'm not convinced that there are enough to play this card right now. I think... Yeah, maybe in a set or two there will be enough, but right now I'm just gonna give it a C. Just it's not inkable. It's not super flexible, and I don't think the power level is there for four cost characters.
0: All right, next we have I'm stuck. This is a one drop inkable action. Chosen exerted character can't ready at the start of their next turn. What did you give this one, Dolan?
1: I gave this one a C. It kind of reminds me of Befuddle. They're both narrow in their own ways, but they're both one cost inkable actions that kind of slow the opponent down a little bit. It just kind of depends what you're in the market for, for which one you're going to play, I think. So yeah, it's it's a C to me. I You might play one or two of these in your deck, just like Befuddle.
0: So I think this is Maybe a little bit better than what you graded it at. I graded it at a B. I think it's cheap. It's inkable. It has the same text that Big Elsa has, which is what makes her so good. It's not just that you're exerting them that turn. It's that they can't also ready at the start of their next turn. So I think it's better than Freeze. And it's cheaper and inkable. And, you know, that's not what Freeze is. So Yeah. I just, yeah, I think it's better. So B for me.
1: All right, next we have Legend of the Sword in the Stone. It is an action song that is a two-cost thinkable, and it says chosen character gains challenger plus three this turn. I think I gave this one a, a D. Um, there is Merlin in these colors that is just so much better. I don't know if you would ever play this instead of Merlin. Would you? Would you think of this, Dana?
0: <laughs> Not that. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I actually was I was gonna change my grade on my sheet, but then you looked at me, so I was like caught red-handed. <laughs> I feel like kind of I'm kind of embarrassed. I gave it a B. I could see this being I'll just go with it. You know I'm, I'll double down. I double could down. see this being used, given that it's a cheap inkable song, and plus three strength is enough to possibly make a difference in certain situations. Sometimes with your support abilities, it's like the one or two that you get isn't enough, but I think giving Challenger plus three is a number that could make or break getting some threatening characters off the board. And besides, it's a song, at least, and not just a straight action. So you could sing it and just do it for free. So I got I gave it a B, but now you're making me feel bad that I overestimated
1: it. You can give it whatever grade you want to, baby.
0: <laughs> I'm sure we're going to agree on this next one, or at least I hope so. So... Binding Contract, an item that is an uninkable 4-drop. So you exert this, and you exert one of your characters to exert a chosen character. What'd you give it? Make me feel good. You go first.
1: I gave this one a
0: C. Oh, I gave it a D.
1: Yeah, I figured you would. I think there are some niche applications for this. I think against aggro decks, it is going to be one of the best cards in your deck, just because you can challenge all their wet ink characters before they get to do their thing. So, Mm. you know, against Emerald, when they have a bunch of three lore characters, you can just challenge them before they even get a chance to do that. So I think there are some applications that this card could be playable in. It is terrible against the control decks, so I don't know how many of these you could actually play, but in some decks you could you might be able to get away with one or two of them.
0: Yeah, I the reason why I gave it a D is because I first think it was just too expensive and uninkable for it to be playable. Freeze doesn't get much play, and it's cheaper and does the same thing. And yes, Freeze is an action and this is an item, so it's technically repeatable, but... I think still you have to put too much into it to get very little out of it because you also have to exert one of your characters too. So I don't know. I just felt like the cost was too much for the benefit for this card.
1: Yeah, I think there will be some matchups where it will be insanely good, other matchups where it will be dreadful, but it's not very flexible. It's kind of slow. Like I said, one or two of these maybe in a deck. So yeah, I think it's a C. Mm -hmm. But I can definitely see it being a d and just being unplayable as well for sure
0: all right next we have croquet mallet this is an item that is an uninkable one drop and has hurtling hedgehog banish this item chosen character gains rush this turn i gave this a c i think it could be used in niche decks just because it's cheap and it might be clutch in certain situations which is why i don't think it's entirely a d but what do you, what did you give it?
1: So this is just like White Rabbit's pocket watch, but just terrible instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not repeatable. You have to banish it. It's not inkable, so you don't have that flexibility. The one place this could shine is, you know, the uh, the items deck that I <laughs> can never make work. So um, yep. with with Ariel, who's a collector. So beyond that, I'm probably not going to play play this card.
0: Fair enough. All right, our last two guards. What are they?
1: So the first one is Perplexing Signpost. It's an item. It's a two-cost uninkable, and it has the ability to wonderland. Banish this item. Return chosen character of yours to your hand. What do you think about this one, Dana?
0: D. I don't see this getting much play because there are so many characters in Amethyst already that do this exact same thing, and they are a character that could do other things like challenge and quest and so this just seems like a waste or to be inked <laughs> or be inked <laughs> so yeah i just there are way too many characters that do the same as exact thing for me to think that i would want to play this over that
1: yeah amethyst already has a couple two cost items that can provide some kind of like card advantage over a long period of time that are repeatable like mm-hmm. Like the cauldron and the magic mirror. This one just seems really low power level and is really not going to do much <laughs> throughout the game.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: And the last one we have is the sorcerer's spellbook. It is a three cost uninkable item. You can pay one and exert this to gain one more. How do you feel about the spellbook?
0: D. <laughs> I Going back to what I said about the binding contract, except this is actually worse in that... You're putting in a lot of work for just a little reward, I think. So I don't know. I think just it just has a lot going against it. That doesn't really give me a sense that it's going to be getting a lot of play. It's uninkable. It's a three drop. You have to then continue to pay one ink to just gain one lore If you're going to be paying one ink to gain one lore, then you might as well just pay one ink to play a one drop that you can quest with for a lore. It just seems... I don't know.
1: Yeah, so I think... I'm going to give it a C. I think that there are some decks that might have a really hard time beating this, like Ruby Amethyst Control from the last season. If you played this early, they could just never... Never beat it because the games just go on for so long that, Mm. you know, 10 turns into the game, you're going to get 10 more after this thing's played. And they don't have any,
0: like that deck didn't have anything that removes items.
1: Yeah. So I think there are going to be some decks that are just going to have a really hard time beating it. So it could be good in some control mirrors, but then you have to play it in your control deck against an... Aggressive deck, and it'll just be a dead card in those matchups. So it's, I I don't know. It it could be good in some aggro decks too, just as a way to clock the control decks and finish the game there as well. I mean, once you get two or three of these in play, assuming the game goes that long, uh, you actually speed up the game really fast. But it's it's kind of narrow. It's not inkable. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time on this one. Honestly. Yeah. I I know there are definitely situations where this will be the one card that can win you the game. There will also be situations where this is just the worst card in your deck. So I'm just going to give it a C.
0: Okay. Alrighty. And with that being said, that concludes our set review of all of the Amethyst cards from Rise of the Floodborne. For next week's episode, we are going to continue our set review by covering Emerald, which is my favorite favorite color heck yeah so i'm gonna have a lot of fun with that one because i definitely think like that's that's my color
1: emerald for life
0: emerald for life (laughs) all right well with that being said we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will catch you next week
1: have a good week guys